0: Good morning, church. My name is Yadi Rohr, and this is my husband over here, Mr. Mark Rohr. You'll be listening to him here in a little bit. Um, This morning, I'm going to read out of Psalm 67, and I'm going to read in both English and Spanish. Um, We'll start in English first. So it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations, And then it says, verse one, Dios nos tenga compasión y nos bendiga. Dios haga resplandecer su rostro sobre nosotros para que se conozcan en la tierra sus caminos y entre todas las naciones su salvación. Que te alaben, oh Dios, los pueblos, que, dios, que todos los pueblos te alaben. Alégrense y canten con júbilo las naciones porque tú los gobiernas con rectitud. Tú guías a las naciones de la tierra. Que te alaben, oh Dios, los pueblos, que te alaben, los pueblos te alaben. La tierra dará entonces su fruto y Dios, nuestro Dios, nos bendecirá. Dios nos bendecirá y le temerán todos los confines de la tierra.
1: Man, 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 thank you for that last song. That got my juices flowing man this says go tell it to the masses that he is god that man i love that song and just thankful for that and the intro to uh today's sermon uh thankful to be with you here today uh if you, if you don't know me my name is mark Rohr. uh work here with tanner house who's the lead pastor and thankful that he's given me the opportunity and privilege to uh, bring the word of god to you today um if you don't have a bible if you want a physical bible in your hands uh, it'll be on the screen, but uh, having the Bible is just, uh, just really good to have in your hands so that you can flip and stuff. Uh, Tanner in the back has this ESV Black Bibles that if you don't have a Bible, you can take that for free as a gift to you, or you can leave it here, but if you need one, raise your hand. Tanner will bring it to you, um, but that's what we'll be in today is the Word of God, so uh, we, want to, uh, we want you to have that in your hands if you would like to. Uh, So yeah, my name is Mark Roy. I love uh, speaking to you guys um, on behalf of of God's Word. And uh, today I was so excited that Tanner gave me the opportunity. Uh, We're going through this series of of, uh, missions and uh, values of our church. Uh, We're kind of stepping back from the book of Mark as we've been in for a while now and, and going through this and refocusing our attention in this new year of what Redeemer Church Odessa is about. So last week, uh, Tanner talked on the gospel, what is the gospel, and I really encourage you to leave this room right now and go listen to that message and come back, uh, because it is really good, because it really gives you an understanding of what the gospel is, and as we talk about missions today, if you don't understand the gospel, um, it's really hard to understand missions, and it's really hard to get kind of fired up to go if we don't really truly understand what the gospel is. Um, And you can find his sermon online, but again, I encourage you to listen to it, but last week, uh, Tanner, as I said, preached on the gospel, and he preached from First uh, John one. He showed us that the main message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He mentioned First John one nine, which says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful, meaning God, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." This is what it means to be a Christian. This is the gospel. That we as people are broken because of sin in our life and therefore separate from God eternally because of that. Because God is holy and perfect and we are not. But as this verse says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our brokenness to God, uh, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As he pointed out last week, that's not just the sins that you've committed in the past or even today. That's sins past, present, and future. Writes an ongoing forgiveness of what Christ has done, because Jesus said on the cross it is finished. And so that is the gospel. We heard last week, if we do not understand the gospel, Tanner said, then you will not understand mission, which I think he rightly says. Today we are focusing on the mission of the church, which is to make God known to our neighbors and to the nations. In order to understand this God-given mission on our lives, we must understand more deeply the good news of Jesus Christ. Once we understand what Christ has truly done for us on the cross and cleansing us from all our past, present, and future sins, then we will rejoice and be compelled to go to the nations and herald this good news. Now, church, I must confess that as this week, as I was preparing this message this week, I had to repent from my lack of praise to God in my own heart. In Psalm 67, the main theme, as we'll see, is that all the peoples would praise God and live for the purpose of making God's saving work known. I've seen this in my own life, that I do not praise God as I should. Through meditating on this psalm, I was reminded that God saved me from my sin, gifted me eternal life for the sake of his name. I want to ask you the same question before we begin. Ask yourself this question as I've had to deal with this week. Ask yourself, is there a lack of praise in your own life? I think a good measuring tool for this, as we'll see also in this text, is ask yourself if there is a lack of praise, and maybe, I don't know if there is or not, ask yourself this, when is the last time you talked with a person who doesn't know Jesus? This psalm reveals that those who have been saved rejoice, and that rejoicing spills out in telling others about the gracious Savior. I pray you see this truth this morning and are compelled to go proclaim this news of amazing grace. To this end, let me pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity again to open your word. Lord, I pray, and I I don't take this lightly, and I pray we in this room don't take this lightly. God, that this is not just another day to come to church and and leave, Father, but uh, Lord, you have ordained this day for your glory, for the praise of your name. God, for the hearts in this room to be convicted, to be encouraged, to maybe for the first time come to know you, Christ, as their Lord and Savior, so that they can give you praise for the salvation that they receive today. Father, for the people in this room that maybe are stagnant and re- maybe look at, meditate on their life and realize that their life doesn't consist of praise. Lord, whatever the purpose is you have for us here today, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified as we open up your word. God, that you would draw our attention to your word and to remind us that you are God and that you are big and great and awesome and mighty and you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for, for our sins so that we may have eternal life in you. God, to this end we pray. Amen. So read with me uh, Psalm 67. We're going to start in verse 1 uh, in verse through verse 3. Psalm 67 verse 1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us And make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So we see here the psalmist begins with a petition based on a high priestly blessing in Numbers six twenty-four through twenty-six. And Numbers is all the way kind of back in the Bible where people say it's boring to read, but I say otherwise. It's a great book. But this comes from Numbers 6, 24-26, and it reads this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. People would go to the priest during this time, and the priest would bless them by speaking this over them. The language we see here in verse 1 of Psalm 67 shows one of humility and asking God to be kind in his dealing with sinful people. The language of God being gracious, blessing us, and making his face to shine on us shows us that we have no ground to stand on. To be gracious, get this, to be gracious is to give us what we do not deserve, meaning mercy, and to not give us what we do do deserve, meaning condemnation because of our sin. Psalms 51, one through 2 says, David says here in this psalm, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, cleanse me from my sin. This shows that without God's mercy of forgiveness, our sins would remain, and we would be eternally separated from God. This is most amazing to know that God, who is a just judge, and rightly condemns sin, has made a way for us to be with him. The God of the Bible rightly condemns sin, but also a God who shows grace through sending Jesus to take our punishment on himself that we deserve because of our sin. And asking God to make his face shine upon us in this verse, it says, one commentator said, it's like asking God to smile upon us, which can only come through the forgiveness offered to us through Christ. Look with me again at verse 2. It says, That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. We see the first word is that. This, this, that word, this, this word gives reason for why God is gracious to us and causes his face to shine on us. The whole reason the psalmist asked for God's blessing is so that his way, the way of good news of Christ, the way of reconciling to sinners to himself, can be no one on earth this awakened in me again the purpose of my new life in christ and i pray that it happens to you this morning if you have ever been blessed if you have been blessed to receive christ as your savior see here that there is purpose behind that blessing in your life as god has saved you from your sin there is blessing behind uh, behind that behind this purpose behind that blessing as I share with you at the beginning, I have had to repent of not fully living out God's purpose of my life and making His way known. And I believe, as I was meditating on this, that I'm not the only one in this room today that is in need of repentance. And I say that with genuine love. If you claim to be a Christ follower, would you say your life consists of making His way known? Our prayer of Redeemer Church would be that we would be a body of believers who know their purpose, which is to make God known across the street and across the world. As a church, we need to repent of our unfaithfulness and not living out God's purpose in our lives of making His way known. God's blessing on your life and my life does not center on self, but is intended to spread through you and through me. I love that quote. God's blessing on your life... And my life is not center on self, but is intended to spread through you and me. Just as we have experienced God's saving power on our life, so too the nations need to experience it. According to the Joshua Project, and this is awesome website. You need to look it up later. Joshua Project, I think it's dot or com. Uh, it's a website, um, and it says that uh, there's estimated seventeen thousand people groups. And this this website is a missional website where you can go to it, and each day. It has an unreached people group, which we'll kind of explain here in a sec, uh, of how to pray for people who don't yet know Jesus across the world. And so it says there's an estimated 17,000 people groups. And people groups are defined as people who share a common language and cultural characteristics. Out of the 17,000 people groups in the world, it is estimated that a little over 7,000 of these people groups are unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 7,000 people groups are unreached without Christ. This means there is no Christian in these people groups, and therefore these people are born, live, and die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. To put this more into perspective, that is 3.2 billion people in the world who have little to no access of the gospel. For example, in the country of Turkey, it is estimated that there is 0.04% evangelical Christians. And that means that that country of Turkey is 99% unreached. I think I heard a statistic one time. I was in a, a, a conference, and there was about 10,000 people there. And the speaker was saying that there is more believers in this room than in the whole country of Turkey. And just kind of picture that if you've ever been to a college basketball game, right, and the seats 10,000 or so. There's more believers in that room than there is in the country of Turkey, all. And that's just fathom to me. Each of these unreached peoples are without hope of ever hearing the name of Jesus and receiving forgiveness of their sins. The world's only hope is that the gospel uh, would go to them and that save them. God's desire for all nations, God's desire for all nations is to know Him as their Lord. And that's our hope today as we go through this. So read with me a verse 3. It says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This verse shows that the goal of missions is worship. Piper says in his book, Let the nations be glad, he says this. I think the quote will be on the board. It says, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason we do missions is because in those unreached people groups, people are not praising God. God is creator and sustainer of all things. Some people get caught up in saying, I've met and, and on campuses and different places. Some people would say to me, well, God is arrogant for claiming that he is a sinner of the universe and everything should revolve around him. As it says in verse 3, let the peoples praise him, let all the peoples praise you. Some people take that as, as God being arrogant. And to that, I would say, who else should be exalted? To praise God is to be thankful for what he has done in sending Jesus on our behalf to die in our place. A catechism says this, that it says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love what C.S. Lewis says on, this, on that catechism, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. He says this, he says, but we shall then know we should then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. And commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Did you get that? And God commanding us to, to praise him, God is inviting you and I to enjoy him. This is so amazing to know that God's glory and our joy are the same thing. As we enjoy God's salvation, our lips spill out praise to God. Psalm sixteen eleven says, "In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy." This is what God is after in making His saving power among the nations known through you, Christian. He is wanting to make Him known through you for the nations to say this, that the nations' lips continually praising Him for the salvation through Christ. What a glorious opportunity! As we continue in verse 4 through 5, we continue to see even more the theme of the nations praising God. Read with me verse 4 and 5. It says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Again, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The psalmist here prays to God to let the nations be glad and sing for joy. At this time, the Jewish people were the only people who were acknowledging God. The psalmist is praying for the day when God's rule would extend to the Gentiles, meaning other nations apart from the Israelites. So you and I, if you're not Jewish, we are those nations. We are Gentiles. And get this, the era of of the Gentiles receiving God's light has now come due to Jesus Christ's resurrection. So now you and I and all around the world have the opportunity and privilege to know Christ as our Savior because of what Christ has done on the cross. This prayer has become uh, fulfilled in Christ's coming and resurrecting. This is not just any song, but a song to their God and Savior. Verse 4 continues with the word for. If you look with me at verse 4 again, it says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for... You judge the peoples of equity and guide the nations upon the earth. It shows that God is a righteous judge and a loving shepherd who guides, right? So the reason these nations can sing and praise God is because or for you are a judge who deals with equity and gods and nations, right? He's a fair judge. To know that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne, as it says in Psalms 97, brings comfort and peace. The nations who do not know the God of the Bible follow a little g God and really are not a God of all, who suppresses them and does not guide them as a loving shepherd. I've been to Africa and Malaysia and Turkey, and I know the webs and Tana have been uh, to other countries as well, and maybe some of you others in this room. And when I went to these countries, I've talked with people who say they have no guarantee of salvation. One example of this is when I was in Turkey talking with a gentleman who was Muslim. He told me how every day he fears that he has not done enough to earn Allah's favor, which is their God's name. I was able to share with him that the God of the Bible is a God who judges us not according to our works. For Galatians 3.11 says, no one will be justified before God by the law, meaning good works, but according to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. In in the Muslim religion, there is five pillars that they must abide by their whole life of doing things and hoping that Allah puts their favor on them as they do these things. So they do it not out out of praise, but they do it out of fear. And so that's why this guy said, I have no satisfaction and I live in fear every day. But I got to tell him that it's not according to our works that we are saved. It's according to what Christ did for us on the cross. The God of the Bible is right and fair judge who has sent his son Jesus so that we can receive forgiveness and therefore when we are judged we will be acquitted of all our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ became sin for you and for me so that we might become the righteousness of God so that we might be in right standing with him. The nations need to know this church. That God loves them and has sent his son who has purchased their right standing before him through dying on the cross. And if they don't understand this and never hear this, they will be eternally separated from God in hell. Again, God is a just judge and will rightly judge those who never receive Christ as Savior. They need to know that God desires to guide them with his steadfast love as he promises here. The psalmist again in verse 5, as we saw, he says, Let the nations, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. It's repeated to call attention again to verse 4. And one, that because our God is a righteous and fair judge, our response, the nation's response, should be praise to God. And two, that God's great salvation should awaken thanksgiving, and we cannot but praise him. This kind of reminds me of Acts 4, when, when John is, is, is he says to the people, I cannot but speak of what I've seen and heard. Right? He's being uh, put in jail and told not to do this or he, will get, he can get released. But he says, I cannot but speak of what I've seen and heard. Right? He's just coming out of him, praise to God, and telling people about Jesus. That God's great salvation should again awaken thanksgiving and we cannot but praise him. I love Psalm 66, 1 through 3, which gives a picture of this. It says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Seeing the glory of his name, give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Church, we see God's desire for the nations to praise him. We see it in Jesus coming to take away the sin of the world. See it in your own life. See that God has made you right before him. Not according to your good works, but through the precious blood of Christ, who cleanses you from all sin. See that God glorifies himself by saving you and me and has given us the message of reconciliation and called you and I to go and reconcile others who have never heard of him. The nations will never be able to shout for joy if they never hear about Jesus. And the reason why, I think, is that so many of us in, this, in, in churches today have lost our passion and our joy. We're lacking in that, in that, in that area of passion and joy. I think possibly the reason we do not share is because we have lost the joy of our salvation. Again this week, I was reminded of Psalm 51 where David cries out in verse 12 uh, that he would restore his joy of his salvation. David is crying out to God, the Father, Lord, please restore the joy of your salvation in me. And this week, I've had to ask the Lord to restore the joy of my salvation. I take heart that like David, when he asks God to restore his joy and God's salvation, God will do it. He will do it, and Psalms 51, verse 13, one verse later, after 12, it says, Then I will go teach sinners your ways, and sinners will return to you. So David pleads for God to restore the joy of his salvation, and the result of that that, is that David would then go and teach sinners God's way, and sinners, sinners will turn to him. The result of David's plea for restoring joy in God's salvation, again, is that he will then go and make God's saving power known to lost sinners. Christian, have you lost the joy of your salvation? Again, I think a good uh, measuring tool is that when is the last time you shared Christ with a lost person? Maybe someone at work or across the street or even in your own family. I encourage you to plead with God if you have lost your joy in that, to restore your joy in his salvation. And asking God this, you will be refreshed in being reminded of God's forgiveness in your life. As we preach the gospel back to ourselves daily, I think, remembering we were once lost, we will want to go and proclaim others this amazing news that they can rejoice with us. Redeemer Church Odessa, I pray that we would not be a church that sits back, but one who is set ablaze for God's glory to reach the nations. Lastly, let's look at verse 6 and 7. It says, The earth has yielded, yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This language here partly is referring to physical blessing and God restoring the land. More so, though, I think, As we have seen, the psalmist is referring to spiritual blessing. The gift of God's grace, the light of God's face shining on the nations. Look at how the psalmist says, The earth has yielded this increase. God shall bless us, as the text says. The words has and shall reveal that the writer is so confident that he speaks of it already accomplished. As it's it's already accomplished. He is pointing forward to when God will restore all things back to new. It shows us that God's mission for the nations to praise Him will happen. Revelation 7, 9-10 through says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, referring to Christ. Church, what great confidence this is for, for us to go to the nations, knowing God will ransom someone from every tribe, tongue and nation. We didn't have to worry if, if, if our going is in vain, because God will accomplish His mission, and He does this through you, the church. Again, what a great privilege. Our desire should be, as verse seven ends, that all the ends of the earth would fear him, would honor God, would give praise to God, that the nations would have the opportunity to hear of our loving Savior, who has come to give them forgiveness, rest, and peace. I love what Calvin says about one of these things, one of these texts. It says, Calvin says that every benefit, i.e., blessing, which God bestows on His people was, as it were, a light held out before the eyes of the world to attract the attention of the nations to him. Every blessing that we have in our life, money, family, job, everything that we have in this life, I love what he says is to be a light held out before the eyes of the world to attract the attention to the nations to God. As we strive to live as followers of Christ in this world and use what God has given us, God will use that to attract the nations to himself through us as we strive to be faithful. And I pray that that would be said of Redeemer Church Odessa. I pray that, that all that we have been given is to accomplish God's mission in reaching the nations with the gospel. God has given you and I material blessings in this world for a purpose. And that purpose is not so that we can be more comfortable or have more luxuries or so we can coast our Christian lives until we get to heaven. This is not biblical Christianity. God has blessed us in this world for the spread of his worship in the world. All of his blessings ultimately center on him and not us. So as we end our time in God's word today, I want you to meditate on what Psalm 67 means for your life. This psalm is not just information. I'm not just standing up here giving you information. This psalm is not just telling us, hey, look at this. But this has meaning and impact on our life as a Christian. In David Platt's commentary over this psalm, he shows three ways, which will be on the screen, that this psalm should, this psalm should affect us, and I want you to think over as, as we respond in, this, in a few minutes. Number one, this psalm means this prayer must be constant on our lips. Psalm 67 again is a prayer, as we see. It says, May God be gracious to us, right? Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We see that this is kind of prayer language. And so we see here that this psalm means this prayer of Psalm 67 should be constant on our lips. The desire for God to be known among all people should fuel prayer in our lives, our families, and our church. Number two, the purpose given by God must captivate our lives. The time is short and the need is urgent. Think through all God has blessed you with. And then ask, how is God wanting me to use my resources for his purpose of making his glory known among all peoples? And third, as we have seen in in verse 6 and 7, this psalm is a promise. The earth has yielded its increase. God shall bless us. Those are words of promise. God will bless us and he will bring all the ends of the earth to fear him. So this promise must compel risk-taking, life-giving, death-defying confidence in our Lord. I think it's fitting that as I was scrolling through some social media last night, I came across that yesterday was the anniversary of of Jim Elliott and the four missionaries that went to Ecuador uh, to preach the gospel to these people who had never heard of Christ. And they had families, and this guy was 29 years old, uh, Jim Elliott was, and had a 10-month-old year daughter. And they were sh- trying to share the gospel with these people who have never heard of Christ. And one day they were on the island with these people, these four, five men. With, and, and as they were trying to talk to these people, the people came out of the jungle and speared them all five to death. But I was reminded of, of Jim Elliott's words. He says, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love that, that we all will one day be, we all one day will pass away, right? And we will not keep what we have gained in this world physically or materials. But what we will gain is Christ if you are in Christ. And so I pray that we would live our lives according to the purpose that God's given you. That we would live our lives, as it says, compel risk-taking, life-giving death to find confidence in our Lord. Remember, God has saved you so that his way may be known on the earth. I pray God would lead some, someone, if not some, to leave the comforts of the world and go to the unreached peoples of the earth for the praise of his name. As you meditate on these in our response time, if you have questions on what it looks like to go or if you get this inkling of, hey, I didn't know about this, I want to know more, me and Tanner will be in the back and we have people in this room who have, who have lived overseas for a while and they love to talk to you as well. But I just pray this ultimate that our hearts will be stirred for the praise of God, that we would worship Him in song and, and word. And as we go from this place, that we would praise Him by sharing others. As we see again in verse 2, that your way may be known on earth. That's why God has saved you and I, church, that His way may be known on earth.